This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Regents Field, Bet Online, DoorDash, and NFL Sunday TV. Go listen, and you can, during the ads, get percentages off of almost all of those companies. So go and check them out, and hopefully, there's a deal there that is right for you. So, NFL season is officially started. Uh, we're recording this before the Chiefs and Texans play here on Thursday night, but you heard my predictions in yesterday's podcast. You know where I stand on things. I think that those will be two divisional winners, and I think it's going to be an interesting season. But, and we're going to go with a big but here, right now for the Lions, there's a little bit of concern, more so than there was 24 hours earlier, and that is because... Kenny Galladay was downgraded in practice from limited practice on Wednesday when he hurt his hamstring to no practice on Thursday. I asked Matt Patricia about this before practice on Thursday, and he did not say that Kenny Galladay was not going to practice. And he said that it's just a little sore and that there, it didn't sound like there were anything they were too concerned with. And then Galladay goes out and doesn't practice. And Understand one thing about hamstrings. Hamstrings are injuries that linger. They're fickle. They're annoying. They're very similar to high ankle sprains. And you have to be careful with them. So today, Friday, is going to be a big day. If Kenny Galladay does not practice on Friday, I think you have legitimate concern about his availability for Sunday against the Bears. And if the Lions don't have Kenny Galladay on Sunday, then that's even a bigger concern for this offense because of how valuable he's been to Matthew Stafford over the last few years. Yes, they still have Marvin Jones, and Marvin Jones is still a good receiver and can easily drop 100 yards, 150 yards. We've seen him do it before, but Galladay's a little bit different. He's always played well against the Bears, but beyond that, he's just the type of guy that's a difference maker in your offense, and in what should be a close game, you probably have to be a little bit worried when it comes to Galladay's availability. The other guy that you maybe have to be worried about is Hal Vitae, the team's starting right tackle, a guy that they gave a decent contract to in the offseason to play right tackle. Well, he was also downgraded to no practice on Thursday, and that's going to be another thing to watch. Plus, unlike Galladay, Vitae was dealing with various things throughout training camp. He left practice at least twice that we saw, though Matt Patricia said one time more it was because of exhaustion, but who knows where that really stands. So that's a really big concern. Tyrell Crosby would more than likely fill in there at right tackle. And he has some experience there. So I don't think that that's as big of a loss as Galladay based off of talent versus replacement. But those are two injuries that I'll be watching out for on Friday and could make a massive difference in Sunday's opener against the Bears. Obviously, if Galladay were to end up not playing or being limited in some fashion, you'd see a lot more Marvin Hall. My guess is you'd probably see Quintus Cephas be up. He may be up anyway, but he might get a little bit more run, and that'll just be an entirely different offense than what we've seen so far because of the planning of having Galladay and Jones 
as dual threats on the outside. Maybe you move Hawkinson out there a little bit, or you give Hawkinson an even more increased role with maybe some different route packages. So I think there's a lot of things they can do to compensate for Galladay if you were not to play, but that's a massive injury to watch. Although, if I'm the Lions, and there is a concern, I don't necessarily rush Galladay out there because you'd rather not have him for one game than possibly play him and him aggravated, and then you don't have him for three or four. And I think it's the same thing with Vitae and same thing with a lot of the soft tissue injuries and the hamstring injuries that we might see pop up. Is It's better to be cautious in week one and week two than have a more serious injury in week one or week two because you weren't cautious and then you lose them throughout the season and that changes the entire shape of your offense or your defense. One other thing before we get to today's guest who is Chicago Bears ESPN writer Jeff Dickerson, and we talk a lot about the Lions and the Bears. Just as a warning, we recorded that on Tuesday night, so there's a couple of things in there that are maybe a little bit more known now, or a little bit, in Galladay's case, more unknown now than when we recorded it, but I think there's a lot of good Bears information in there, and it can hopefully help explain some things to you. Uh, in this game, I'm picking the Lions to win this game. I'm 23-17. to Again, this is if Galladay plays, if Galladay doesn't play, I, I think maybe the Bears win 16-13 or something like that. I think Galladay is good for a touchdown or maybe even 10 points here against the Bears. One other thing I want you to listen to, I want to play for you before we hit the break, is Matt Patricia talked about September 11th. It is 9-11 today. It is 19 years uh, from 9-11 and uh, actually, both Matt, Patricia, and I, we didn't know each other, but we were both at Syracuse at the time. So he was asked another question about 9-11, and the second part of what you, I think you'll hear in this clip was something that I asked. So he references, oh, you were there too. That That's me. And yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's something that's pretty powerful, and I think you maybe don't necessarily realize when it comes to Patricia and 9-11 and being from New York and... Uh, you'll see on Twitter today, I'll retweet two stories that I've tweeted out every year as long as I can still find them. Uh, I hope I can still find them on the internet of uh, first responders that I wrote about on 9-11 that were the parents of football players. And um, yeah, I that's a day that I still, you know, is, is burned into my memory. I was a senior in college. Uh when at Syracuse when 9-11 happened and yeah so anyway here's Matt Patricia talking a little bit about that 11 is pretty you know obviously a pretty big deal and, and being from New York and um, having family that's from the New York City Long Island area and obviously a lot of friends um, you know that was uh, that was and still is you know a pretty significant moment I think um, you know people go through um, you know their lives and have those moments where everybody remembers exactly where they were when things happened um, you know, I was uh, coaching at Syracuse University at the time. Uh, you know, I remember exactly where I was. The, the, I was with one of the players and uh, kind of the thoughts that went through my head initially, you know, when I saw it and then uh, how quickly everything turned. And I uh, had some, you know, some of my closest friends that lived in the city at the time and the concern and the fear, um, all of it that went along with it. So um, I still think about it. I still, you know, uh, obviously tomorrow that'll be a big part of that day and, and making sure that we do remember um, all of the people that, uh, were lost, all of those that sacrificed, um, and and certainly, um, you know, just that that event and what that meant to the country. So, um, you know, it's definitely something I think about a lot. So that was Matt Patricia on his experiences with nine eleven. Uh, like I said, today's a, a day of definite remembrance, and yeah, just take a few minutes if you can and just kind of think back uh, of what that day meant. And I, I know I will today. We'll be back right after this break with uh, Jeff Dickerson, the Chicago Bears reporter for ESPN, to talk a little bit about the Lions and Bears. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door 
Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. I'm hungry just thinking about that. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And Sunday, Sunday, Sundays, they're coming back to the NFL. That's right. It's happening this Sunday, even Thursday, just a couple days away now. But with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite team's and your favorite players. So if you're not in Detroit's market, for instance, and you are a Lions fan, check them out there because guess what? They've got Adrian Peterson now. So no matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. And hey, if you are looking for a place to watch a game on Sunday, Check out Regents Field in Ann Arbor. They're back open now. They're open from Tuesday to Sunday. They're open and they've got live TVs. They've got outside seating where you can watch those TVs. You've got free ski ball, free darts, and even some free video games, including NBA Jam. So go check them out on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. And yeah, it's a fun time. Now, back to our show. My next guest on the Michael Rothstein Show is my first third time guest. He was on last season. He was on when we did the NFC North Roundtable. And now he is back again as we try to set up the Lions and the Bears. And neither one of us has seen what the other team looks like. Jeff Dickerson, welcome to the show. It is always great to have my Bears ESPN colleague popping in. Mike, what do you get for being a third-time guest? Is there a budget for the Mike Rothstein show where you've got some T-shirts handy, maybe a coffee mug? A I'm going to give you what you get right now. Well, I get you. And, that, and then, really, that is, that is absolutely the most important thing. I get a chance to talk with you about Bears-Lions, which I know is really high up there. As far as NFL priorities go this Sunday, that's going to be a <laughs> that's going to be must watch, huh? I mean, I think there is a layer of like intrigue just from how Mitchell Trubisky does. I think like that's the most intriguing thing for people because let's face it, social media is not the nicest place in the world, and if Trubisky does not play well, it'll be meme city all game long and I think people will maybe get some joy out of that which is horrible and misplaced joy but other than that yeah I think that that's maybe the highest level of intrigue nationally for this game I don't think anyone's really all that interested in the Lions just yet except maybe to see you know Matt Patricia maybe do something dumb yeah I really hope people aren't excited if any player does poorly that's not really the point here I mean I think the questions are you know this guy Mitchell Trubisky is entering his fourth year and by now you know I don't really subscribe Mike to the argument that he's still a real young player I mean he has three years of starting experience and I realize that the coaching staff in Chicago changed after his first year but three years of being a, uh, essentially a full-time starter in the NFL. And I don't really want to hear anything more about the one year as a starter at North Carolina. I think he's had enough time for the results that the Bears want to materialize. And, you know, will that happen? I don't know. No one is rooting for him to fail. It's just he has this unfortunate, you know, um, circumstances of, being the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, which historically speaking, Mike, as you and I both know, uh, the worst quarterback play in the NFL in Super Bowl in the Super Bowl era is in Chicago. And then you also have this very inconvenient truth that they passed on Mahomes and Watson, who just got contract extensions, you know, Super Bowl championships, league MVP awards, 
to take Trubisky second overall. Those are things that are out of Trubisky's control. Um, and he can definitely change the narrative. But if he doesn't, like Mike, I got to be honest, bud. If Mitch goes in there Sunday and doesn't play well, I'm not going to be stunned. If he goes in there and plays great, okay. He, he does well against the Lions historically. That's totally fine. But, like, nothing at this stage would surprise me based on what we've seen. You just hope that it doesn't get personal because, I mean, you know, he's just a, a player trying to find his way through the NFL. And that's why I tell all these guys, Mike, you know, don't worry about social media. Don't worry about it. Don't go on Facebook during the season. Don't worry about Twitter. Don't do Instagram. Just don't worry about it because it doesn't really help things. I think right now Trubisky has enough pressure on, on its, in its own right to keep his job where that outside stuff can, can only do damage to him as far as I'm concerned. Oh, and I would agree with you. I mean, I think that, that that's something that probably – if you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, you probably should stay away from. If you're a starting quarterback under pressure in the NFL – like run, <laughs> like run as fast as you can. I mean, Matthew Stafford, for instance, doesn't have social media. His wife has a very active Instagram account, but he, Matthew Stafford does not have social media. He may be an egg wandering around somewhere, but even from what I've been told, like that he's not even like a burner egg anywhere. That's like, you know, Staffy three, six, four, two, five, seven, nine QX, you know, like just doesn't exist. I, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that, like, Trubisky should see it. And I would hope that people are just kind of like, you know, whatever. But we've all seen it on Twitter. Like, you know, you just see it. It's not the most pleasant place. One interesting thing you said, though, struck me because of what people had said for Stafford about for so long. Now, Stafford had the 5,000-yard season in 2011. But for so long when Caldwell was here – He'd say, yeah, in years eight, nine, and ten, seven, eight, nine, eight, nine, and ten, that's where you really see the progression of a quarterback. And it became a running joke of like, are you going to talk about him like in year 13 in that same way? And we're like, we just don't see it. But then you look at what Matthew Stafford has done the last couple of seasons and you're like, well, he's actually played well. And I think there's been that progression there. And I think you see a lot of times the NFL quarterback, their prime starts maybe a little bit later in some cases. So maybe I think that that's possible for Trubisky, but I agree with you. Like, you know, you get over 30 starts in the NFL and I, you know, it's kind of put up or shut up. And do you think that he will absolutely get a reasonably long like runway or if it goes really badly in the first half, could you even see Nagy say, you know what, forget it, Foles get in there. Yeah, I, if it goes really badly, Mike, I I can't see them sticking with him. I, I mean, there's – I look at Mitch like this sometimes. I've, I've always felt like he's one of these big corporations that's too big to fail. You know, he's one of – he's like a, a guy that has to get a government bailout just because they invested a second-round pick – a second overall pick in him. I mean, which is at stake. And then, again, I, I hate to keep bringing up Mahomes and Watson, but how can you not? How can you not objectively look at this situation and say, oh, my God, they had a chance to fix the quarterback position for the next decade plus, and they didn't do it. And now not only is Trubisky really not performed in a good enough clip for three straight years, but he's in jeopardy of losing his job. So I think there's too much at stake for the Bears this year, though, in terms of the head coach, the general manager, the direction of this franchise to have too long of a leash. I mean, Mike, if he goes out there Sunday and he throws a pick six and is the goal Lions guy going to be there singing? Is he allowed in at Ford field? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know if Theo uh, gridiron spade is going to be in, but I, I would imagine they're going to maybe have a facsimile of him. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. They haven't really told us yet what that's going to be. Uh, I hope not just because by the end of every season, that song much probably like bear down Chicago bears gets in your head and just like, you're like, Oh my God, for me, that's what that song ends up being by the end of the season. Well, I like that guy. That's my guy there. The goal lions guy. And, and besides, aside from seeing you in Ford field, that's like my favorite part of going to Detroit, honestly. And the airport's very nice as well. So I, if you hear go lions blaring at like the 12 minute mark of the first quarter, because Mitch throws a pick six, 
I don't think Nagy's going to pull him. But if this is a, a problem now, if they get off to a bad start, yeah. I mean, Mike, if you look at the Bears' schedule, it's rather favorable early. Now, I, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Lions, but, I mean, it's a matchup where it's pretty evenly matched teams, and it could go either way for sure. They've got Atlanta coming off kind of a downtime here. They've got the Giants, who we all know are struggling. Later, they get, it picks up. They get the Bucks, They get the Saints. They get some better teams. But I think everything is kind of set up for them to get off to a reasonably good start. If they don't, and the offense looks like the offense last year, he's out. They're going to put Foles in. That's, that's going to happen. I mean, Foles is making good money, $12 million this year. They gave a fourth-round pick to Jacksonville to get him. You know, Foles is one of Nagy's guys from Philadelphia and Kansas City. Most of the coaching staff knows Foles. So, yeah, they'll get rid of him. So, I don't think it's going to be, hey, Mitch, you've got eight games to prove yourself here. If it goes horribly wrong for two or three straight weeks, they got to make a change. I think everyone in the building probably knows that. What was the thing – because you haven't seen any Bears preseason games. No one's really seen the Bears except for you and some other reporters. What is the thing about the Bears this year that might actually surprise some people? Because so much attention was paid to the quarterback that I think maybe a lot of the other things around their franchise might have been overshadowed, unlike it would be maybe in prior – prior years so I I would say the tight end position is going to look radically different to you on Sunday Um, that was one of the worst groups of tight ends I've ever covered probably the worst I've ever covered last year Um, they were awful no one was dependable injuries just you know lack of performance and production so they make a bunch of moves this offseason they get rid of Trey Burton who now is on IR for the Colts not a big surprise if you've covered his career lately in, in Chicago and then to Indy, they signed Jimmy Graham. Now, look, Jimmy Graham, I know that people were talking like he couldn't play dead last year in Green Bay. Totally get that. That's fair. He wasn't running that well. It didn't seem like. Mike, from the limited stuff that we saw, he looked very good. In camp. It's camp. Doesn't mean it's going to happen in the regular season. But this is a veteran with a lot of equity built in, a lot of credibility, I think, as far as past production. He looked really good. Cole Komet's the kid from Notre Dame they drafted in the second round. He's a pretty versatile guy. I mean, he's more, you know, he's built more like an H-back, I guess, more than like a Y-tight end. But he's going to play the Y for him. And uh, he can play. Demetrius Harris is a veteran who uh, was with the Browns last year, I believe. New Nagy, Kansas City. He's going to play. So they got three tight ends that are legit biggest thing. The questions about the quarterback, you know, Jamie Montgomery's status is, is, you know, we'll see what happens with him on Sunday, if he's effective, if he plays with that groin injury. The backfield still got some things they got to work through. Offensive line, except for right guard, is going to all be back, and that was a very underwhelming group last year. You know, receiver, Allen Robinson is definitely, uh, you know, the guy. Number one, but after that, is Anthony Miller going to have a, a great year? What about Tegan Jr.? So I would say the only thing that I can really feel good about, based on what I saw personally with my two eyes in those 10 practices that were open to us, is that the tight ends look much better. And I think that's going to be a position that's going to help the quarterback because, Mike, to steal a phrase from the great Andy Reid, we asked Andy Reid last year on the conference call, Andy, what makes the tight end so important? In your, in your offense. And he laughs and he goes, well, it's the easiest throw for the quarterback to make. And we're like, yeah. So the quarterbacks in Chicago need to make easy throws. So I, I do think tight ends, you're going to see, I, I would think you're going to see of those early scripted plays that Nagy will have, the first 15 scripted, I, I bet you'll see several throws to tight ends, whether it's Graham or, or Komet maybe Harris, depending on that group, they feel pretty good about. It's interesting that you say that. I mean, obviously we've seen in an Andy Reid offense what that looks like with Kelsey, right? And we've seen in even in Philly what that looks like with Ertz, which is a similar type of offense. Can Does Jimmy Graham have enough left to be 75% of those guys? Or, or can Matt maybe take that? Well, here's what I think you need from Jimmy Graham, Mike. I, I don't think Jimmy Graham is 
going to be running those seam routes, which, by the way, look great in camp every year. Those are the most overrated training camp routes are those tight ends down the seam. That's not opening games very often. Come on. The guy's going to have a forearm in his chest. No, it doesn't happen like that. There's no free releases in the NFL. Unless you play a really bad defense. You know, Bears don't have a bad defense. Not sure about the Lions this year. But I think what they're going to ask Jimmy Graham to do is this, twofold. Can you run 10 yards and box the guy out in front of you and make the contested catch? I think you might be able to do that. Can you help us in the red zone? Now, again, based on what I saw in camp, I think against a pretty good defense, by the way, in Chicago, I think the answer to that is yes. So I don't think he has to be this dynamic, flip-the-field, game-changing tight end. Do two things for us well. Ten yards, box them out, and in the red zone, be a real threat. And I, I think he can handle that. Now, Komet, a lot younger, runs pretty well. Doesn't run like Graham ran in his prime, I don't believe. Runs well. Now, maybe there's a guy you slip out on a deep pattern every now and again. Um, so I think, I think that's more what they're looking for for Jimmy Graham. It's been a great story. He's an interesting guy. I mean, he went from the highest of highs to being released. And I really do think there are, some, there are some athletes that when they're released and they're humbled like that, do take it personally and really are motivated that next year. And again, I'm not trying to say this guy's back in the Pro Bowl after what training, 10 training camp practices, but he definitely looked like he was into it. He started a fight. Well, I shouldn't say that. He, 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 he swung a couple times at Deion Bush. It's Miami and Miami crime right there. Deion Bush, I don't know what he was doing. He tackles Jimmy Graham. Like there, it's like the first day that we're there. First day of pads. And Deion Bush, Jimmy Graham catches a little, like, you know, a little hook pattern. Nothing, don't think anything of it in the team drill. Deion Bush tackles him like he's in a game from behind. And I'm like, what the heck's going on here? Jimmy Graham gets up, man, and he starts throwing blows. <laughs> Deion Bush starts throwing blows. I'm like, well, I think Jimmy Graham is into it. I think he definitely cares what's going on here. So we'll, we'll see. But, but I, I think that he, he really was a guy that, as far as training camp performances go, that I think really stood out for Chicago more so than the most because a lot of guys were nicked up and injured or, you know, that, you know, being brought along slowly. Jimmy Graham was a guy that from day one at camp hit it hard and never stopped. When, when we're looking at the offense here, obviously offensive line, to me, you never really know until there's actual games because hitting is hitting in, in camp. But when you look at their run game, it seemed like, especially with Trubisky being what he has been, that's where they wanted to focus. Will they still really use Montgomery? Do you think they're maybe using more? Will he potentially break out? Does Kareem Cohen find his way back into, like, relevancy? this year potentially like is that are those two things possible or will they maybe throw the ball a little bit more with Allen Robinson and the question marks after him what run game what's this run game you speak of Mike because they didn't have a run game last year non-existent non-existent well I mean Montgomery looked great early then he hurt his groin that was that was a scary looking injury I was right there when that happened that didn't look good um, so that's a bummer because, you know, again, that's an injury that could linger. They were talking about opening up on turf. It's more difficult to cut. So without him, you know, if, if he's limited or not in, the, not in the picture, you know, I don't think Cone is the guy that's going <coughs> to, excuse me, carry a huge heavy load. Cordero Patterson had played running back all camp, but it's more of a gadget thing. They've got a, Guy named Ryan Knoll, who's a you know pretty versatile guy, do do it all type dude. He's fine, but not a guy that's gonna carry the ball twenty five times a game. Yeah, Nagy's got his work cut out for him there. The offensive line was not great last year. Um, that's a group that really didn't go undergo much change this offseason again. They hired Juan Castillo, be the new offensive line coach. They're hoping that that's gonna change some stuff. I liked Harry Heastan personally. I don't really know if Harry was the problem, but. He's gone, so they obviously were not happy with what was taking place up front, but I don't know about that. Um, and then, you know, Trubisky's probably if, – if, if Montgomery is limited 
early on here or doesn't play. The best runner they have is Trubisky. But what do you do? See, Nagy's always been reluctant to just turn him loose. They're not going to use him like Lamar Jackson because, well, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he's good. He can move. He's a great athlete. But this might falls back to the old argument. Look, if a guy's going to be a franchise quarterback, it's not going to be because of the way he runs the football. It's going to be the way, the way that he operates inside the pocket. That's it. I'm sorry. Like, I love Lamar Jackson. He's awesome. He ain't going to be getting hit like that his whole career because he, he's not going to last. Trubisky can't run his whole career because he's not going to last. Mitch has already been hurt several times in three years. He's already been hurt several times. It's going to happen. That's why they have been so insistent on making him develop into a pocket passer first and a runner second. Now, does all of a sudden Matt Nagy say, let's throw caution to the wind, the hell with it? He's, he's hanging on by a threat anyways? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's really doing the player a service. I mean, or the team a service. Because if you like the guy and he's playing well, you don't want to subject him to 15 big hits a game. So I think Nagy has been wrongly criticized for the Trubisky usage. Now, moving the pocket, yeah, that stuff's all great. And Mitch does it well. But still, you know, look what happened last year against Minnesota, Mike. What did they do? Rolls outside the pocket, move the pocket, boom, shoulder. Two years ago, he gets crushed moving the pocket, gone for a couple of games. Now, maybe it's to some people it doesn't matter, but I think to the Bears it still does. I think to Nagy it still does. I think Nagy, Nagy is used to quarterbacks that are, again, can run. Alex Smith might could run. Yeah. In his prime, he could run. What could Alex Smith also do? He could sit in the pocket and break you down and dissect you as a passer. So um, if they don't have Montgomery, it's a huge loss. Or if he's not right, it's a huge loss because I don't know then if there is an obvious solution to the run game, which Chicago knows they got to have this year because last year without one, the offense was in shambles, as we all saw. What, what would you handicap it as that Montgomery is used at all this Sunday? I mean, I would say 50-50. My guess is it'll be a game-time decision. And I, I'm not trying to get out of the question, but yeah. so there's a couple things. So they did not sign another running back yet as of this recording. Uh, you know, because when Eddie Pinheiro heard his groin to kicker, the next day, you know, or whatever, Cairo Santos was on a plane to Chicago getting his quarantine and, and you know, joining the team on the practice squad. And then on, you know, on, uh, on Tuesday, he goes, you know, Pinheiro goes to IR. Santos is going to kick on Sunday. They never brought in another running back. And there were running backs to bring in. Now, they, they did. They do have a young kid on the practice squad, Artavius Pierce. I mean, they, he's one of the guys, Mike, the four guys they protected. So teams can't sign them this week off the practice squad. So they're trying that, – that was sort of their backup plan. They got to activate Pierce for some reason or, or elevate him. Then they, they can do that. I mean, they could have signed Leonard Fournette. They could have went after Adrian Peterson. You know, none of these things happen. So I don't believe Montgomery's injury is long-term, but I also don't believe, Mike, they could rush him back. Yeah. I don't think he can rush back right away. Because you don't want him dealing with this all year, and then it becomes a miserable situation that you and I have both covered guys that have played injured for 16 weeks, and sometimes that's just an untenable deal. Oh, without a doubt. There's no doubt. You can't do that. So, I mean, oh, you can, but not as a running back. I think you can get away with it at some other positions, but not at running back. So tell me a little bit. I don't know anything about Artavius Pierce. What should people know about him just in case all of a sudden he comes in and ends up getting 15, 20 carries? I don't know if he'd get 15, 20 carries, but they, they might add him. I mean, I think, I think, again, they would try with Cone. They would work in Cordero Patterson, Ryan Null. Pierce looked good. I, I thought not to, because, listen, I'm not trying to be some armchair GM here, but I actually thought the first day of training camp that we could see, I had said to a few of the guys, oh, this guy's going to be on the practice squad. This guy's, you know, got some – Got some ability, and he's, he's pretty well built. Nifty moves. Looked like he had good hands. Just a young guy. And I think, again, we're seeing, Mike, that teams are – it's easier for teams to keep 
players around on practice squads for emergency use, guys they had in signing someone off the street because training camp time was so limited. You have to quarantine. There's so much you have to do when you join a new team. So he's, he's not a bad player, but, again, I wouldn't think that he would be someone to carry a big load, but I know he's a guy that they like and could be in the mix somehow if Montgomery, you know, gets out of the gates injured or slow. So looking a little bit at defense now, because that I think if Chicago wins a lot of games this year, it would be still on the back of that potentially. Has Do you see more of the shades of the defense from two years ago? Or will this be maybe more closer to what you saw last year? They think it'll be more like two years ago. They signed uh, Robert Quinn, who we didn't really see much of this summer because he had some personal issues the Bears were talking about. and He uh, was really brought along slowly. So he didn't practice much as far as we could see. Just more individual stuff, not a lot of team stuff. But here's a guy that gave $30 million guaranteed to Mike, who had a great year for the Cowboys last year. If he's that type of player for the Bears – you never know about older guys. You never know. Maybe he's not anymore, but last year it looked good. Uh, if he's that type of player, that's going to help out Akeem Hicks. That's going to help out Khalil Mack. And that's going to be a pretty tough, you know, front, if, if, that, if that's how it goes down. And then, uh, you know, Sean Gibson, they signed to play safety. It's a veteran. It's probably an upgrade over HaHa Clinton Dix. Uh, so I, I would say now they do have a, a young kid starting on Sunday that you'll – I'm sure Matthew Stafford's already got him circled on the chart because they're going to test him a lot this weekend. Um, I, you know, he's a guy that had a lot of shoulder problems all throughout college. It was a deep year for corners. And I think he was the last one of that top group taken when the Bears made their second pick in the second round. Um, he's a seems like a very bright young man, very motivated. So we'll see how he does. But I think overall, defensively, they bring back Danny Trevathan. They're hoping that Roquan Smith has another big year or a bigger year. They re-signed Eddie Jackson to a monster deal. They've got Kyle Fuller. So there are a lot of good things happening on defense. They lose Eddie Goldman, who opted out because of COVID. Uh, They can probably slide Bilal Nichols over, maybe Roy Robertson-Harris. They can do some things up front. But, yeah, I I I would think last year, Mike, they were very good defensively. But what they were lacking last year that they had two years ago were the turnovers and the scoring. I mean, the Bears' best offense in 2018 was their defense. You know, how, does, how do you prop up a kind of an average quarterback? Sorry, Mitch. Kind of an average quarterback and a really average offense. Well, your defense scores like five or six defensive touchdowns, and you lead the league in interceptions and takeaways. So I think you might see health, you know, barring health, of course, yeah, you might see that group look a little more like 2018 when that defense was historically great. And, Mike, that's why. They had that defense in 2018. They had a home playoff game to the against the Eagles, and you lose because of the double doink in the wild card round. That's why people are still upset from two years ago because that if there was ever a year for the Bears to make a run with that defense, it was two years ago. And, the first round playoff exit happens, and there we are right now. Most people think the Bears will be between anywhere between seven and nine, eight and eight, and maybe nine and seven if you're super optimistic and look at this thing objectively. So Eddie ja- Eddie Jackson obviously is a guy that has familiarity with picking off Matthew Stafford too. I mean, I he had that one play that really basically got the Bears a win a couple of years back in eighteen, where he picked sixth him in the fourth quarter. Is Eddie Jackson at this point? Is there room for him to grow still, or do you think he's kind of at that point where it's like, all right, you're one of the best safeties in the NFL. Like, it's just kind of like you need to just maintain that level. I hope there's room for him to grow. I mean, they paid him like there's room for him to grow. Um, I didn't think last year was his best year. I think two years ago he was very good. Last year I didn't I didn't see it last year. I mean, I, I thought it was, you know, it was okay. I, I think you raised the bar pretty high in 18. I don't think he was the same type of player last year. I think they want to see the guy that they had in 2018 that was constantly making humongous game-changing plays, like the one you mentioned against the Lions and Matthew Stafford. So, you know, look, Mike, this goes one of two ways. We've seen this. Guys get paid. 
either guys get paid and it, they just keep producing or produce at a higher level or guys get paid and they shut it down. I've seen both. I've covered both. I don't know. I'll tell you a guy that got paid that went bananas afterwards. Remember Jared Allen's big contract he got? Yeah. Not, not with the Bears. That was not the Jared Allen I'm talking about. But when he got that came even that, that's what I'm talking about. That's a guy that got paid and stayed hungry and got better and better and better. You know, we've seen guys that get paid and they've made it and that's the end. Um, so hopefully he's not in that latter category. Hopefully he's in that former category uh, because he was a special player two years ago. But I think everyone would agree he wasn't that guy last year. At least he wasn't the guy that, that the Bears were hopeful he could be. Now, there's always circumstances that play into that. Akeem Hicks was hurt. You know, they had a, a bunch of injuries. Um, they, they did, you know, just as a defense, they weren't generating as much pressure. There weren't the sacks. Khalil Mack's numbers were down. Every, everything was a little off. You could point to that and say that's the reason why. Um, but I think that, you know, you hope that the best is yet to come for a young player that you give big money to. And if it is, then that secondary is going to be strong, especially if this rookie Johnson, Jalen Johnson, pans out to be a nice player. There's a lot at stake right there because you don't take a corner in the second round uh, without the hope that he turns into a long-term starter. That's a premium position, and the Bears need to have a guy that they feel comfortable with, you know, opposite Kyle Fuller on that defense. Did they match Jalen Johnson up much with Allen Robinson in camp to kind of test him and try to get those reps like the Lions kind of did and a little bit with Jeff Okuda with Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay? Or did they kind of put him more on the Gins and on the Anthony Millers to let him maybe build more confidence? Well, Mike, here's the fishy thing. So when we first start watching practice, Jalen Johnson was not doing much at all. It was He was like third team. They had Artie Burns out there. Remember Artie Burns, the old Steelers first-round pick? With an I Artie do remember Burns. Artie Burns. <laughs> yeah, suffered a, a season-ending knee injury, so he's out. Then they start doing more and more with Jalen Johnson. Slowly, um, Kevin Tolliver was you know, also taking first-team reps. He didn't even make the 53. He's out. So just as, as Jalen Johnson starting to emerge, Allen Robinson got hurt and didn't, didn't, wasn't available for us to see for, like, a week. So I can honestly tell you that Jalen Johnson, uh, on a conference call, on a Zoom call on Tuesday, did intimate that he did have a lot of experience covering Allen Robinson, but we as reporters did not see much of that because it's just the timing of everything. You know, like, you know Johnson being brought along slowly, then he's ready, and Robinson gets hurt. So I don't, I don't have a lot of, like, visual evidence to tell you that that's what happened mm-hmm. but Jalen Johnson did say that it did happen you know a fair amount and uh he said he did okay <laughs> basically he's like yeah I did okay you know but but Allen Robinson's a crafty vet so I, I wouldn't expect Jalen Johnson to to dominate him in any you know team or one-on-one drills right but not only that I mean the fact that he's just like I did okay that that to me hearing that from a rookie that can go one or two ways too that could be the rookie not wanting to admit that it was really not a pleasant experience for him, or he could be purposely downplaying it because he doesn't want to piss off a vet. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he was. I think he was just. I think he's just being even keeled. Um, he's a pretty again. He comes across as a very a thoughtful person, um, nice guy to talk to. Uh, but I think he he definitely. You can tell there is that chip on that shoulder because he feels like he was better than where he was drafted. He feels like if it wasn't for the shoulder problems. I'm not saying it would have been Jeff Okuda, but I, I think he feels like he would have been much higher in that group of cornerbacks that went uh, back in the draft. Well, speaking of Jeff Okuda, it's not clear he's going to start, by the way, on Sunday. Like, the Lions have not, did not really work him with the starters at all. It was just kind of hit or miss when he was working with the starters. He may actually be the third corner are the first corner off the bench on Sunday, which is interesting for the number three pick. With you know, I, I'm curious. That's one of the things I'm most curious to see. So when Jeff, when you look at this game, I've seen none of the Bears. You've seen none of the Lions. How do you pick this game? Because I've been sitting there and I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm just like, 
I, you know, I, I kind of want to, when we have to do our predictions, put a little like shoulder shrug emoji and be like, I don't freaking know. <laughs> well, I was waiting for you to pick it first and I would just see what you wrote. And then I would, I would, <laughs> I was just waiting for you. I think that's due on Thursday. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, the bears lately have played pretty well against the lions. You know, Trubisky usually, is okay against the Lions. Does pretty well against Detroit defense. You know, they are on the road. I don't know what that means anymore. Does that even matter anymore? Or no no fans in the stands? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I would say, you know, again, I don't know what the spread is, but I would say I'll probably pick like a one-point game either way. Not really, you know, acknowledging that we don't have a feel. I don't have a feel for the Bears like I have for the last 15 years. Because I just don't have enough evidence to say, to show me anything. I, I didn't have enough time. I mean, we have been we've been kicked out since um, a, a week ago Saturday. So I'm seeing all these people post pictures of going to practice this week, or even last weekend, and I'm like, what? <laughs> last week all canceled for us. We have had nothing. We had yeah. two straight days where they just canceled it on us. Didn't even tell us before they canceled the week. So, I mean, we are really running low on being able to see anybody, can't talk to anybody except for a Zoom call. You get one question. There are no follow-ups. It sucks. So, I don't know what to say. I mean, I might pick the Bears like 17, 16, but uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to say I feel great about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm going to say, like, we, we got to see more, I think, a little bit more. Uh, but we, yeah, the last practice we were able to watch was, guess what, 10 days, 12 days ago now, something like that. And now you get the stretching, which doesn't really tell you much of anything, um, at least not from like a substantial point of view, right? I don't know. It, it's like, I, I feel like I have less of a feel because I think you just have those questions, right? Like Taylor Decker looked really good in training camp, but and he did really well against Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers, theoretically, is one of the better pass rushers in the league, but is that Taylor Decker taking a step up, or maybe Trey Flowers isn't what he was? You know, is Kenny Galladay and Matthew Stafford really tearing up their secondary, them being that good, or is that secondary going to be in a world of problems? You know, I think every team in the league has those questions because you're judging it based off of things you don't know based off of a year-to-year basis. So I, I, I'm, I think these first two to three weeks are going to be completely wacky in terms of results. Like, you know, we always see that one or two week one result that you're like, how did that happen? Like, I think you might see that for the first month of the season. Just where – And, you know, the first month of the season, historically, Mike, is a mess usually. Yeah. Um, now you've had a couple of weeks of pads, no preseason games. So it might take a full half year, half season, for teams to really figure out what their real identity is. That's a buzzword in the NFL, identity. But it's true. It might not take till, it might take eight games for a team to realize what they really are and what they're not. I'm, I'm prepared for that this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I am fully I, – I think for some teams, and maybe this is just from covering the Lions where it feels like sometimes you just don't know what they are the entire season – but I think you might see with a lot of teams, they are figuring it out literally until week 14. And then if you're in the playoff race at that point, maybe you find something, right? Like maybe every team peaks later. Uh, and, and if you peak early now, you're really in trouble because, you know, every other team's figuring it out. I, I don't know. It's I, to me and I, Jeff, you've covered the NFL longer than I have. I look at this and I think that this could be the most interesting year that I've ever covered in sports because there's just so many unknowns and so many wrinkles. Like you would generally be coming in in a few days and we would grab dinner potentially. Like, it's like, no, I'm not coming. You know, like travel, like even from a media perspective, that's different. But like being in the stadium on game day, like you said, who knows if there's really even a home field advantage or it's the home field advantage greater because you have to adhere to so many things on the road. I don't think anyone knows that answer. And will the Lions put out those peanuts at halftime? I, I don't I'm know. Gonna, I, actually, I, I think I can answer that question for you. The answer to that question is no. Oh, um, yeah. 
because I, I don't believe they're going to do that. Based, I, I, I only know this because I don't care necessarily about food in the press box, but because of dietary restrictions I have, I did ask. I was like, so what's the situation? Like, do I need to make sure I have like Lara bars like stacked away here for me to like munch on throughout the day? And everything is going to be, my understanding is everything is going to be prepackaged and that's going to be it. And, you know, and, and I get the feeling that based off the Lions practice in Ford Field a week ago and, you know, there was no one there. We only got like 20, 25 minutes or so in there. But it was eerie even being in there and seeing the protocols and seeing some of the changes that were taking place. And we didn't even get to go upstairs to the press box. I think it's going to be strange for players on Sunday when it comes to like you're – a home team and you're used to running out and hearing the crowd and all that. And you're going to hear like the NFL film, 76 decibels or whatever the decibel count is. And that's it. And it's like, you look around, you're like, look into the stands and you're like, cool. There's a cardboard cutout of Barry Sanders. I'm going to go high five that, but I can't really touch it. Like <laughs> it's all going to well, be, I think it's going to be, it's going to be something you're not going to forget this season. I think no matter what, like I, I really believe that. Well, as we as we as we part here, yes. I'll, I'll make one promise: we will have those runny eggs at Soldier Field for you prepackaged, and I will send those to you via gift, so you can make sure that even though you might not be in Chicago, who knows though? Who knows that you will have the runny eggs that they serve at Soldier Field? That I can promise you. Man, they, I feel like this is my I, this is my fault because I didn't have a good gift for you as a third time guest. Like this is this is the punishment I get. <laughs> Jeff, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. I want to thank my guest Jeff Dickerson for coming on the show. You can follow him at Dickerson ESPN on Twitter. He's going to be a good follow for you this weekend, even though. He will not necessarily be in Detroit, but he's going to be able to give you all your Mitchell Trubisky information and all your Allen Robinson information. So go give him a follow. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. We're going to do at some point this weekend uh, an Instagram or a Facebook chat. I haven't figured out when yet, but I'm working on it. As always, your comments are appreciated. Your reviews are appreciated. They can only help us down the road. And with that, we will talk with you again on Monday. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.